Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. Happy New Year. It's already been a few weeks since I've last recorded. You know, if you know anything about the GHSA basketball season, holiday times, beginning of the season, a lot going on. Very difficult to kind of sit down, catch my breath, catch up with everything I need to talk about. Always have a lot of writing to get done with all the events I'm able to see. Hosted three successful events this season. Sandy Spill Tip-Off Classic went very well at West Forsyth. Then we had the Sandy Spill Showcase at Archer High School. Went very well. And then, of course, the CTC Classic and all-girls event at Grayson. Had a ton of Division One girls college coaches in the building for that event. So very pleased with how all those three turned out. And uh, looking forward to getting some more things on the schedule for next year. Already can confirm 11-19. That should be the second Saturday of the season of next year. The Sandy Spiel Tip-Off Classic will be hosted at Chester T. High School in Hall County. So bringing some events up to that more so uh, north, not necessarily all the way um, northeast Georgia, but on a different kind of side of town uh, up there in Hall County. So really excited to be working with Chesity and hosting that event. But it's a new year. It's 2022. We've had some COVID cases coming down the pipeline. A lot of schools, no, I won't, I won't say a lot of schools, but a good chunk of schools are being affected and some, some areas are going into some COVID pauses. Um, I know Clayton County, uh, there are rumors about Fulton potentially dabbling in there, Atlanta Public Schools. So a couple schools um, in those metro Atlanta areas trying to slow it down a little bit as everybody returns back from um, you know Christmas break. So hopefully that doesn't have any lingering effects on the season and we can kind of go on with the show. Um, but today's podcast kind of catching up on a few things. I think this is going to be a, a bit of a scattered podcast, just a, a little bit of everything. I know once we're what, we're, we're week eight into the rankings now. Um, week eight, week eight rankings came out Sunday and Monday as they always do. And, you know, this is about the time of season where people start wondering why, why are we not ranked? We're 10 and one and this, that, and the other. And, you know, this has been a prevailing theme for many years now as the, uh, you know, true listeners go, and if you understand how I kind of do my rankings, you could peel back the onion and see how we do it. Um, importance of strength and schedule, um, obviously, to be redundant, it is very important. Not all records are created equally, and that's, uh, you know, we we see it here and there. There's some special teams that have had some really good seasons over the past few years, and they, they record their 20 wins, and they make it to the Elite Eight, but they kind of hit that glass ceiling as far as the rankings go and rankings should not be the end-all be-all I mean they're, they're just a measuring stick and to be honest with you when I do these rankings I might have a team ranked ahead of another team but if you had to say you know right now pick a state title winner who's going to advance further if we go straight into the state playoff brackets not 100% of the time will I have you know a team that's ranked fourth do I think they're going to go farther than a team I have ranked eighth now of course that all comes down to how state tournament brackets are laid out, and so on and so forth. But you do also have to play the the quote-unquote game of up and down with the rankings. Because otherwise, if I was just hard-headed in my ways and just said, 
you know, I know for a fact this team is better than this team. I cannot move this team below this team. You know, you I try to avoid that. Now you use your common sense as to, you know, one team. And again, this goes back to strength of schedule. If one team's playing top 10 teams every single week and they're playing the best of the best and they're taking some losses, they're getting some wins, but they're taking a lot of losses, okay, but you you know obviously in in, in, a, in a scenario like that I'm not going to have a team that plays teams with no winning records plays nobody with the pulse you know you just can't put a team like that above a team that is going out and challenging themselves unless that team is you know two and nine and they played a bunch of good teams you got to pick up some wins with a tough schedule but you get rewarded for playing good teams when it comes to Sandy Spiel rankings I I, I mean I will. Sometimes uh, give more credit for a, and I know this is, you know, no one thinks of this, and this is probably all, you know, just my own thinking thought process. No loss is good, but a good loss, say a five point loss to a really good team, I'll, I'll, I'll probably reward you more for that than a, a three point win or a five point win over a bad team that you, you know, in theory, you, you would hope that a, a, a team of this caliber, if we're talking about a team that's in the discussion for being in the top 10, you would think they should beat them by 15, 20 points. Now, obviously a win's a win, but sometimes, you know, losing pretty to a good team, for me, as far as what I do, as far as ranking goes, um, I take that, uh, I, I kind of give more credence to that than a, an ugly win against a team that you would assume, you, you know, if you think you're a top 10 team, you should be handling these bad teams and beating them by a lot. So that just comes back to that strength of schedule. So there's some teams that they just refuse to challenge themselves. You know, one team comes to mind, they just will not play anybody outside of 30 minutes from their school. It does not matter. They're not going to play anybody good. They do not care. It's all about, I don't know what it's all about. Maybe there's an uh, edict from the school saying we can't travel, we can't go to any showcase events. That would be very strange if that's the case, and I don't want to speak on anything I don't know of, but just from the outside looking in, especially when it's a team with a, you know, a good amount of talent, kids going to college, but if you just don't want to play anybody all season long, like, okay, I mean, it doesn't matter. You can still win a state championship that way, but if rankings matter to them, which it, it seems like at the very least record matters to them, um, you you just you can't go any higher than whatever that ceiling is because if you just if you're playing, you know, twenty five games in the regular season or whatever it is, and you're playing four teams with a, a winning record or you know a winning record that's you know more than two games above five hundred, it's just like you, you you just can't really put them too high when they're not challenging themselves. Um, so that's always something that kind of sticks in my crawl. So I just want to get that. Uh, out of the way, just talking about strength of schedule. Um, and then another thing when it comes to rankings, I tend to wait on teams. You know, it's a slow process. If you, again, if you follow these rankings closely, you will tell um, I'm not just trying to drop teams, you know, one loss, they're down, they're down. You know, we're not trying to put in four new teams in the top 10 every single time, every single week. Uh, if you're in the top 10, that means I. For the most part, unless it's one of those you know smaller classifications where it's real touch and go, I think pretty highly of you. And if you're in there, it's going to take a few losses to drop. If you're like number three or number four, and you drop, you know, you might have to take three, four losses. You know, just depending on who you play and everything like that. Unless you're getting beat by a team that is again outside of the top ten, and um, all all signs point to that team not being very good. It takes a while to slide out of the polls. Because how many times have I had teams in these in these rankings 
you know, maybe seven through 10, they suffer a loss or two. Yeah, I could put someone in there to replace them. But uh, if I don't feel like a team's ready to replace a team in the top 10, I'm not just going to put them in there. And that goes back to just waiting on teams, just waiting on, you know, you see some teams with the 10 and three record or 11 and four. And, you know, we, we think they're pretty good, but you kind of just want to see it play out more. Like a, a team that comes to mind that is having a great year, they just won um, Lanierland, is uh, East Hall. And I saw East Hall play uh, in person. And they're having, like I just said, they're having a great year. I think they're about 13 and 2 right now. I'm slow playing this East Hall team. I saw them play against Chesapeake, they were down. Double digits going into that fourth quarter. Um, they they rallied and came back and won that game. Um, but it's just one of these things. I want to slow play it because what else? What have we seen in Region Eight when it comes to uh, this team? And you know, East Hall. You know they got beat by Cedar Shoals, and Cedar Shoals has been banged up with injuries. They're only about four and six or something like that right now. But East Hall did lose sixty to thirty seven to Cedar Shoals. Um, so this is one of those things I want to wait. East Hall is right there on the precipice of cracking into the, the, the Class 4A um, top 10. And even with what they did at Lanierland, which is a, a great event, you know, Hall County is a little bit down as far as what it's been in the past. Not to say that there's not, you know, quality teams out there, but it's just going to take a little bit longer for a team like that. Now, East Hall has a huge game this Friday against Jefferson right there. I mean, we're talking about Jefferson being ranked number four in the state huge measuring stick game. You know, East Hall handles their business. If they if they take down Jefferson, trust me, you can go from unranked if they have a clean week, which it looks like, you know, they got they got Jefferson uh and then I, it looks like that's their only game they play this week, but you take down Jefferson, you could go from unranked to maybe number 4, number 5, number 6 in the state right there. So that's what I talk about when I'm, I kind of slow play these rankings. I I want to see and I want to see those big resume building wins and you know all those weeks of being out of the top 10 like that that can go down the drain really quickly if you're able to beat a Jefferson team that um, is a very strong team 13 and 1 right now uh, ranked number four and there's plenty of plenty of good teams in that region eight Jefferson North Oconee still tough and obviously Cedar Shoals who I still think uh, I don't know if they're the favorite right now but they're they're right there in the mix of things at four and six getting healthy if they get everybody back with Colbert Kashik Bram uh, Curry I mean there's there's a lot of firepower there Jefferson beat them by 21 the first time they play but now if they're getting back healthy uh, I know it's going to be a dog fight with them and even Madison County um, you know you're looking at Madison County that's another team you could talk about slow playing they're 10 and 2 right now they have a good record I want to see them record some more big wins against teams that are top 10 worthy so a lot to be done in Region 8, but that's just a, an example, uh, a microcosm of what I'm looking for when I talk about I'm waiting on teams. I want to kind of see how region play sorts itself out. I want to see resume building wins, and I want to see how that all kind of ties in together as far as proving whether these teams are ready to be in the top 10. Now that we've taken care of how the rankings kind of break down and just kind of the thought process behind how to place teams and how it takes a little while to get into the rankings and how it takes a little while to get out of the rankings. Uh, I want to touch on a couple classifications, uh, just a few here. I'll start on the boys' side and touch on a few teams and a little bit of storylines, I guess, if you want to say. But Class 7A, um, number five, McEachern, they are, they're surging right now. This is a team that a lot of uncertainty, uh, you know, new coach Hermaine Ankrum coming over there. 
uh, you know, graduated a lot of great players over the past few years. Wasn't really sure what to expect from them. Uh, started out the season one and four, and uh, they really just have turned the corner and uh, have have gotten hot. I mean, got that win over Grayson. I was able to check out. That was an impressive, um, really the springboard of everything after they lost eighty two seventy seven to Newton. And uh, you know, you let's 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 rewind it a bit first. They lost to Green Four seventy four sixty nine. They lost to Pace sixty three fifty five. They lost to Shiloh sixty six fifty nine, and they lost to Newton eighty two seventy seven. So those are four top ten teams right there. I see number one in A Private and Green Force, number one in seven A in Newton. Shiloh's up to number three. They're undefeated in six A, and then Pace is number two in Class Two A. So right there, they played good teams, but. And I know Wheeler, they were shorthanded in this game, missing Isaiah Collier, I believe, but they got that 86-63 win over Wheeler, and just from that point on, it feels like momentum has been building for McEachern. They beat Hillgrove, they beat North Gwinnett, beat Southcott, beat Grayson, beat Tequila, and just blew out Kell by 41 points. Um, it's a team that's really playing well. Uh, when I saw them play against Grayson, what stood out is they have little guards, but a lot of length. Young guards that are somewhat small as far as the true backcourt members, and then a lot of length up front. And when I'm talking about the young guards, I guess that's really just Reese Cotton and Christian Curl. Those two guys have really made a major impact. Cotton's just really smooth with the ball, does not turn the ball over, makes the right passes, um, gets people involved. He's a, yeah, he's a good on-ball defender too, quick hands. He's got real strong lower body that can help him explode to the rim. So He's been real good, but Braden Sparks, a senior, the elder statesman who's been there forever, it feels like, he has just really risen his play. He's a you know a really good outside shooter, knocks down a bunch of threes, and just a, a strong guard that has seen seen it all. You know, he's been there since I, I guess he was probably there when Sharif Cooper was still still there. He was a young pup learning behind him, so he's he's seen a lot of talent come through McEachern, and he has learned not only from game. Uh, settings and atmospheres but just from practice seeing how these guys work and he's a guy that's really improved and improved and improved and another guy who has really just popped out onto the radar this year a guy that's I guess waited his turn didn't really see major minutes last year if he was even on the roster last year is Michael Jacobs he's become a, a consistent 15 point per game score uh, he's got a strong body just a just a tough guard that puts the ball in the basket he's getting some d2 looks now going to get some more looks as well I'm sure but just a solid player that doesn't necessarily pop out at you he's not 6'6 he's not a freak athlete he's not this that or the other but he's just solid he's tough nose he'll get to the room he can finish through contact and he'll knock down shots so Michael Jacobs is a player that's really taken off for this McEachern team and then just the youth and the length inside with Jaden McMillian um, Jalen Hilliard all these guys, uh, even Calvin Johnson, just so many long six 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 seven six eight guys that are they just they do a good job protecting the rim, rebound, and they'll score when needed. And you know, McEachin's been a revolving door already this year. With you know, I was told Ashton Blackwell was over there now. Had that kid that moved in from um, Tennessee, who's a big deal. That transferred in, so you know, and I don't think I don't. I'm not sure if he's played a game yet, but there's you know, there's already been some moving pieces coming and going here at McEachern. But with what they have in place right now, um, they're playing exceptionally well, and kudos to them because 
Obviously, that was one of those deals. Well, you know, McEachin's always going to have talent, but you're going to have to prove it. You're going to have to win your way into the top 10, and they have done that uh, quickly, and they are very, very scary with how well they are playing right now. In 6A, I want to touch on Shiloh. Uh, mentioned them for a second, uh, but 11-0. and um, Is Shiloh for real? How do they do it? That's uh, That's really the question, and again, that's another team that they graduated pretty much everybody last year, um, but they're sitting at 11-0. They're picking up nice win after nice win. Um, they're doing it the way they've always done it. For the most part, it's going to be started with transfers and Kim Rivers just, just getting the absolute most out of his team. Um, that's just a team that, you know, the standard is a standard. They're going to play hard-nosed defense. He's going to ride you as a coach. He's going to get the most out of you. And they've picked up nice wins, beat Mount Pisgah, beat Galloway, beat McEachern. Uh, Langston Hughes is a decent team. They beat in Winder Barrow. Um, you know, that Sequoia game, they were down, what, 30-13 to 13 at the half. Somehow, someway, they went on a, a last-second, you know, three-point attempt that was fouled and knocked down all three free throws. So, this team's wrong. They beat Fayette County by 20 points. Now, outside of that, McEachin win. These are they've beaten good teams. I don't think they've beaten the the elite, top notch, upper echelon, which they're going to be seeing teams like Buford and uh, you know they even got North Gwinnett on the schedule. It looks like and Windsor Force, so they're going to see some even better competition. But uh, you know you got to give them their bouquet of flowers. Shiloh's done a great job, but again, it all starts with that defense. Um, in player development, Trevon Payton uh, has really excelled this year. He's knocking down big shots, a big 6'5 guard, averaging over 17 points, six rebounds per game. And, you know, Cyril Slater's a senior that's, uh, you know, hits big shots. Zaron Jackson, just that little physical, just put him wherever he rebounds, just does the dirty work. Not an overly sexy style of play, but he's just a guy that you can put him just wherever. He's just a basketball player, and he does the dirty work, and he gets it done. Um, and then, of course, like how let's let's be honest, over the past few years, what has Shadow done very well? They slide in out-of-state transfers under the Sandy Spill transfer radar, and they did it again with the this DJ Leak coming from, I think, a DMV area, and he's their second-leading scorer at nine points and four assists. The year before that, um, you know, it was the other little guard that, that moved in, that bounced around Devin Barnes, and then before that, they had the guard that came from, like, Texas, so... Shadow, they get their transfers. They get them from out of state and they slip under the radar. Um, but it's never a guy that's just going to sit on the end of the bench. It's always one of their top guards, and that always helps out when they have a, you know, a cast of characters that comes back year after year, and then they slide in one or two big name or not big name transfers, but just transfers that fit into what they're doing, and it always helps out. So they just plug and play, and um, you know they're always really good. But it all starts with that defense and player development of these guys buying in. So Shiloh, are they for real? I think, you know, at 11-0, they're really, they're really, really good. They're a tough out. I'm, you know, I want to see how it all plays out. I think Shiloh has had better teams in the past, at least talent-wise. Um, in that one year, they got beat by Grayson two or three times. But Shiloh, um, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially come state playoff time. No one's going to want to see them, just their defensive style play and just – you know, how gritty they are, but is Shiloh State title contender? I, I think they are, um, but I want to see how it plays out once they see Buford and a couple couple more juggernauts down the road. But at 11-0, they've done everything they're supposed to do at this point, so you have to give them, like I said, all, all, all the credit in the world. They're exactly where they want to be right now. 
Now let's move on to Class 4A and a team that has one of the best resumes in the state now. Again, not the the elite, elite juggernaut superstar 7A powerhouse all-star wins, but they've beaten a lot of really good teams. And it was a team that um, got to tip off their season with me at the Sandy Spill Tip-Off Classic. I was fortunate enough to have them. I knew they were going to have a good year um, this year, and they have, they've, they've done everything they're supposed to do. That's Class 4A's number one ranked team. McDonough sitting at 13 and 1. Um, you know, I saw them beat South Pauling at my event 55 47. That was a 44 44 game uh, in the fourth quarter before they pulled away. And then the rest is history. They beat Warner Robbins by 40 points. They beat Fayette County by, what's that, 14 points. Only loss was the Eagles landing by six. Eagles landing, of course, the defending state champs in 5A. So not a bad loss at all there. You beat Baldwin who came back and upset, or I don't know if it was upset, but they came back and beat them after they blew a double-digit lead at halftime in what was it, the Final Four last year. So they get their sweet revenge against Baldwin. They do it in a dirty, ugly, low-scoring 34-29 type game. So they get that win. They beat Jones County. They beat Washington County 57-39, another team ranked in the top 10 in Class 2A. And then they just beat Jonesboro, 49-46. Jonesboro, who's number four in Class 5A and was starting to surge at the time. So this McDonough team uh, is uh, just you know clicking on all cylinders. And the main reason why, and I, I said this, I, I know I wrote this in my preseason preview of this team, and I've said it wherever I could. I said, Davion Thomas, he has a chance to be an all-state caliber player. And after sitting out, after transferring from Eagles Landing to McDonough last season, yeah, this kid is just doing everything, and he might be one of the, you know, he's in the mix as one of the players of the year in that classification, just depending on how far they go, but Davion Thomas, averaging 16 points, four rebounds, almost six assists, four steals a game, junior point guard, about six foot tall, he's a real deal, this is a division one player, just so smart out there, just just understands the game, multi-level score, a really good passer, instinctual player on defense just just really smart just like pitch aheads and transition just doing things without even thinking uh just such a great point guard and you know having him now eligible he's leading the team to scoring he's the engine you still got a mom mcdowell who's averaging over 15 points per game um keenan gray who was i believe the freshman of the year last year just does a little bit of everything avante nichols provides just freakish athleticism Damari Gask is a big 6'6 shooter. Howie Fagan's a rebound. Like, they just have so many pieces. And B.J. Thomas is a good coach who's been there, done that before. Um, back when he was at Monticello, I believe. Like, he, he won a lot of games over there uh, and did a really nice job. And now, you know, the fruits of his labor are, are coming. And this team is just rolling right now. They've beaten a lot of really good teams. Uh, McDonough is, is, is a team to beat, but... The one thing you always have to worry about, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but any coach will tell you they would rather be playing their best basketball in February and March than in November and December and January. And now I think that, you know this is a marathon, but I think they're so gassed up right now they're not going to run out of juice, but you've got to make sure you avoid peaking too soon. They're going to have some tough games on the schedule. they got that rematch with Fayette County, which, you know, Fayette County's solid. I don't. I don't think they're as good as last year's team. But when you have Caleb Banks going to Indiana on your roster, anything is possible. So that'll still be a competitive game. I feel like um, you got Langston Hughes in the non-region, a six-day school that has talent on the roster. 
Then you meet up with Tri-Cities. And, you know, other than that, you're looking at Mount Zion, Luella, Hampton, Riverdale. Not a lot left. So they've passed pretty much all their hurdles so far. I'm just looking at those three games, Tri-Cities, Links, and Hughes, and Fayette County. Uh, you know, that's that's pretty much it as far as teams that on paper you would think could compete with McDonough. Um, but they're going to have a lot of momentum either way. I think they win this region. I think they, they take care of um, Fayette County, who, you know, they they played against last year, and they, they had some tough matches with them. Uh, but this is a team, I don't think they're peaking too soon. I think McDonough's going to continue to roll. Uh, I, I like how they're playing. And, you know, just the depth and just so many options. And as a 4A school, they have a lot of size, a lot of length. They just have a lot going on for them. And I think McDonough, even though they got their revenge on Baldwin in the regular season, I think they're hell-bent on, you know, taking what they think is theirs and going on and winning a state title. Speaking of state titles, uh, how about Class A Public? Drew Charter, number one, you know, it's tough to knock them off, even though they didn't win the state title last year. And you got Dublin sitting there at number three, who I think is hellaciously dangerous just because when you go down those those rural areas, it's a lot of football players, a lot of big sons of guns, big athletes, and then good basketball players. Zion Davis is a really good player who's going to have a breakout season or is enjoying one already. Um, But come on, social circle, it's getting tougher and tougher every day. To not have social circle number one, I mean, they just, they, and, you know, just because you're playing a 6A school or a 7A school, that just because there's a, a higher number next to the A, it doesn't automatically make them, you know, a, a better team, but it does give them a bigger pool to pull from. Um, but social circle beat Walnut Grove 72 59 in a wild game to open up the season. I was there. They looked dead in the water. Then they smacked on the press and just absolutely blitzed Walnut Grove. A big, strong, athletic, very capable Walnut Grove team who is uh, ranked 7 in Class 5A. They toppled them. Um, then at the Sandy Spill Showcase, they beat Christian Heritage 70-66. to That was the first time in like over 40 games that Christian Heritage allowed 70 points. So that tells you something right there. They hang 70 points on one of the best defensive programs in the entire state. So they do that for the first time in like two, three years that Christian Heritage allows over 70 points. So that was impressive. And that was a game where, you know, Social Circle was up 15 to close to 20 points for a vast majority of that game until Christian Heritage rallied back in the fourth quarter. Um, what else have they done? They, you know, Monroe area without a point guard, they they beat them badly, 75-39. They take care of Towns County, who gave them a scare. Towns County, they were up about 15, 20 points on them, but Towns County made it close, but beat them by 11. And then just recently, they go and win the, win the Hounds Holiday Classic at Pope. They beat 7A South Forsyth 65-54. They beat 7A Walton 59-52. And they come back after down double digits in the second half. They beat the host school 7A Pope. Or 7A Pope 78-73. to um, Actually, we'll, we'll say Pope is a 6A school. Um, but they beat Pope. So they, they've, they've done it. They've done it, and they've done it very well. They've played a lot of good competition, 7A schools, 6A schools. They handled their business, and, you know, we talked about in the offseason. They had everyone back from last year's team. K.J. Reed, obviously probably my favorite player on that team, and Tyrell Branch. Both those guys are capable of hitting you for 20 points any single night. But the Twins, we said the Twins were coming. The Twins are here. Lamarius Jackson, Quindarius Jackson, 
especially when Marius is coming up big with 20-point efforts here and there. This team is just so deep. They have so many guys that can score the ball. Uh, the only issue I have with Social Circle, which could scare me come state tournament time, is sometimes they do live and die by the three-point shot. They can shoot themselves out of games with everyone having the green light. They can take 33s, and if they don't hit more than, you know, if they're only hitting four of those, they could be in some trouble. So that's the one thing that worries me. If they get off to a cold shooting start and they're not able to get hot, or if they're just, you're just not making shots, you're not going to hit shots every single game. you got to find other ways to score. That's the one thing that worries me about them. But their press, I love their press. I love how athletic they are. I love the role players in Philip Baines Jr., uh, Amarion Russell, Cam Gaither is a guy that can go off and get you 20 points when you least expect it. There's just so many good pieces. And then you got A.J. Vincent inside, the big 6'6", big fellow that can you know, pose some issues. So they just have so many pieces to choose from. I think that, you know, when you're talking about some of these other teams, they're not quite as deep. They have their two guys do a scoring. You know, you got three or four legit scoring options for Drew Charter and the rest are playing defense. But, you know, it's the same thing with social. You got like five or six guys though that are capable of leading the team in scoring. And I I really want to see um, Drew Charter and Social Circle players, Social Circle in Dublin. Like Lanier is eleven and zero. I think they're going to be tough. And a team that has fallen down in the rankings because of suspensions after Trutland jumped them. Um, Portal's five and three, but at full strength, Portal hasn't lost a game. I think they're going to be really tough. I think Class A public's going to be really really fun to watch, um, especially when we get into the state tournament. But right now, and again, we, Drew Charter proved it last year that just because you have a sexy resume and you're undefeated, that doesn't that doesn't mean you're going to win the state title per se. Um, but Social Circle is doing everything they're supposed to do right now, and that team is lethal, especially if they're knocking down their outside shots. And with that press, if they're not hitting their outside shots, they're going to at least turn you over and get some transition buckets. Um, so that is a, a team I'm very interested to see. Just looking at what they have left on their schedule, if they have any more hurdles as far as on paper. I mean, Washington Wilkes has a decent record right now. Monroe area is getting healthier, getting their guys back. Um, and Towns County, at Towns County, is going to be a tough place to play. But other than that, like if, if they handle their business, you, you could see this social circle team going undefeated, heading into the region tournament and possibly heading into the state tournament. Now we'll move on to the girls' side of things. We're not going to have a, a whole lot of classification. I just want to touch on 4A and Class 2A, uh, two of the more interesting classifications right now. I know Class 4A, there's a lot of talent at the top, and it's been a shuffle between the top four. Currently, it's Luella, number one, Carver Columbus, number two, Jefferson, number three, and Baldwin, number four. And three out of those four teams have major size. Luella, Ari Dyson's a D1 post presence, a junior. Um, she can dominate games inside, and they have some more length to go around her. Carver Columbus, um, that's a team. Ashlyn Mesador has come out of nowhere and had a huge season, and they're always known for having size and quality athletes as well. And Kaylee Simpson's about a 5'9 wing, but you know, that's another big body that can go down there and grab some rebounds. And then Baldwin, probably, well, not probably, they are the biggest out of the bunch with Janae Walker, 6'3 freshman, who's a double-double machine. Cassie Neal's a 6'0 
wing, post, forward, don't even know. She just does a little bit of everything. And they even got another 6'4 girl on the bench. Like, that's a team with a lot of size. But who I want to talk about today is Jefferson sitting there at number three. Can Jefferson win this state title without a major post presence? Now, I will say, even in years past, like they, they haven't had like a, a legitimate big time post presence that's gonna get the job done inside and gonna be six two and they you know Greg Brown hasn't ever really needed that or really even had that to get the job done. Um they're always very tough with their on ball defense and their press and they they've haven't been a hundred percent healthy. They've been, you know, one person would be in the lineup then one person would be out of the lineup. Um but just looking at what they've done as far as their resume goes, um you know they they won their their own tournament um at Jefferson where they they beat St. Pius 57-47 and they beat Buford 54-51 on that Natalia Bolden um three-point shot at the buzzer who has worked her way back from a torn ACL and a torn Achilles so this is her year um they beat White County by 19 points uh they beat Loganville by 13 they beat Trinity Christian by what is that uh beat them by 22 points they lost to Cedar Shoals at Cedar Shoals. Cedar Shoals, that's a tough place to play with Rob Belton on the microphone. Again, uh, probably the best PA man in the business. Really gets that crowd revved up in Athens. But they lost 50-36. to 36. Um, Just not a good game. And again, it goes back to this Region 8 in Class 4A being very competitive, very tough. Four or five good teams that can clip you any night. But they bounced back. They beat Flowery Branch. They beat Elbert County 57-46, a 2A school, which is very, very good, very, very tough team that has beaten a lot of bigger schools. So that is a legitimate strong win. They beat Phantom by 20, and then they lose by 17 against Lumpkin County in the Kelly King Classic Championship. But Deshauna Gaither did not play that game. And when this Jefferson team has everybody, they're really good because Deshauna Gaither, she's really kind of the one that sets a tone defensively with her quickness, about 5'8", 5'7", guard, getting D2 looks. Uh, still more of just a slasher on offense, but she is so good and so quick laterally in that press and just even in the half court defensively. She forces a lot of turnovers. you got Ellie Kinlaw, who just committed to Bernal, who ha- has had a breakout season, has just been tremendous with her outside shooting, can light you up for five threes, any game. She's got a strong body too. She's not afraid to attack the rim and get downhill. So she's having a, a banner season her senior year. Um, we mentioned Natalia Bolden, who's back at about 5'11, can play one through five. Um, it's just a, a big guard that, you know, isn't necessarily going to plant her foot and go downhill and be a, like, a, you know, a high major freakish athlete to the rim but she's so good and so solid and can beat you in the post can beat you from the mid-range can beat you from the three-point line can see over the defense to find the open man on cuts um, can guard one through five in a pinch when needed she just can do everything can do can can do and does everything for greg brown as you said that a glue guy but you know even more than a glue guy because she is probably their best overall player can just put her in any place and she will succeed um, so she's really key right there. And then you got you know Talia Brown can knock down shots, and other players have seen big minutes. Jasha uh, Butts is a solid athlete. So that's a really good core right there. Can they do it without a big man inside? Yes, I don't think they necessarily need that because if they're all clicking with all those players, especially their big three in Gaither, Kinlaw, and Bolden, 
that's going to be pretty good. That's going to go up against a lot of these other guards. It's going to be able to match them toe-for-toe toe and just their style of play on their defense and their attacking. And then they do have those floor spaces that can shoot the ball from three. They've played some good teams. They've taken some big wins. They're going to be playing Chesity as this is announced tonight or releases tonight. And Tuesday, it's going to be a good matchup for them. And, you know, they're going to be battle-tested coming out of Region 8. East Hall is plucky. North Oconee has three really good guards. Two going Division three, um, you know, I make that four really good guards. To be honest with you, um, so North Oconee is really tough and well coached. Cedar Shoals, we already mentioned, they clipped them once. Ashley Lester's a really good player, um, and they're going to have another away game in a non-region matchup at the Inferno against Elbert County, which will be a great late season test as they prepare for two more games and then into the region tournament. But with all that being said, Jefferson's going to be extremely battle tested and again. I don't know if they, they hold on to this or not, but that bad taste in their mouth from what happened when they got beat by Carver when the, the scoreboard or the book or whatever it was got messed up and there was a point missing, you know, that stuff can sit in people's crawl. And how close has Jefferson Jefferson been in years past? And it's always been, oh, a player got injured or now we had the scorebook error. If they can just eliminate that crazy crap that goes on around you, and you know you have to have luck on your side to win a state title in the GHSA, but if they can eliminate that, let's be honest, Jefferson can definitely win a state title in Class 4A. Lastly, let's move on. As I mentioned, I want to talk about Class 2A. If Jefferson can win in Class 4A, who can win in Class 2A? Um, there are a lot of teams, and like I said, Class 2A has you know, been one of my favorite r- classifications to cover in the past just because all those regions are so spread out. You go to Middle Georgia, you go to West Georgia, you go to North Georgia, just terrific basketball. In the past, there's been great basketball. Um, in the Augusta regions, which it looks like, you know, other than Josie, of course, is still, you know, defending state title or state champ, but that's kind of slacked off with Butler isn't quite as good, and Laney is this is their worst team in decades and decades and decades. Um, but I just want to talk about some of those middle Georgia and south Georgia sleepers sitting in the middle of the pole. Um, a lot of teams that are very, very, very dangerous right now that you're going to be seeing more of. And, and again, we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast, slow playing these teams. We're going to know more once we get into region play, but a lot of these teams are looking really good. And we'll start with number five, Dodge County, a team that heading into the season, I knew they had a, a decent amount coming back, um, but uh, you know, wasn't necessarily sure if they were going to be ready to uh, you know crack into the pole. But um, you know, their their highlighted wins, their biggest wins. You know, they beat a, a solid West Lawrence team by nine. Um, they beat Lamar County by nine points as well. That was a big one. And then they beat Houston County, who was in the top 10 at the time at the Hoko Bear Brawl, beat them 49-47. So when you beat a 6A school like that, there's a lot of you know, a lot of good momentum heading in that direction over there in Eastman, Georgia. But they have a big game coming up against Northeast Macon um, you know, tonight, Tuesday. And then after that, they'll say, uh, Washington County. So you got right off rip, you're playing number seven, Northeast Macon, and then number six, Waco. We're going to figure out what's going on right away in this region, which has had what, you know, region three, I think that's three teams right off rip that are ranked there, but Dodge County, 
Lyric Green is going to be the name you want to remember. A big freshman. She's the one that's really been powering this team this year, averaging close to 15 points and nine rebounds a game. Then they got a good junior who was an excellent athlete, wide receiver on that flag football team. Um, Alteria Gooch is a very good player as well that's closing in on a double-double. So you add in that big girl in green to go with Gooch's athleticism on the perimeter and on the interior. Dodge County, a very tough team. And then as we'll just move on to who we said they're playing next, Northeast Macon. They have four losses. They played Norcross to open the year and Petrie Ridge. So right off right off jump, they challenge themselves with two 7A schools. Um, then later they take a three-point loss to Warner Robbins, who just dropped out of the Class 5A rankings, but is a, a solid team. And their only other loss was just their last game to Northside Columbus, who is currently ranked number 7 in 5A. So right there, you played two 7A schools, one of them being number 3 Norcross in 7A, and then two teams that have been ranked and currently ranked in Class 5A. So Northeast Macon is a team to be reckoned with. And who is it? You know, the head of the snake. How do you beat Northeast Macon? Jakia Little is just going off this year. I saw her in the summer. Great dynamic athlete, decent enough shooter to pull up and hit some shots from the perimeter, but she is going to Euro step and get her way to the basket. Nonstop motor. This is a player that Division School Division Two school should be looking at if they want a, a quick guard that's just gonna go, 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 push the pace. Uh junior colleges should be hot after her as well. But Jakia Little averaging 25 points, seven rebounds, and five steals per game. She is a star the straw that stirs that drink for Northeast Macon, and they're really rolling. So I want to see that guard play versus more of the, the interior play of Dodge County. Uh, an interesting matchup there. And she has some help too, uh, a junior in Lania Richardson. She's averaging close to 15 points per game. So that's a dynamic duo right there. When you got two girls right there averaging, what, 40 points per game combined, you don't see a lot of that at the Class 2A level. So Northeast Macon, a dangerous, dangerous team. Um, next we'll jump right into class, um, you know, what well, we're still in class two A, but number six ranked Waco. So again, this is a murderous row in this, this region. We're not even mentioning Lamar County who was ranked at 1.2. So you're talking about a region that has had four teams ranked at, at one point in this season. Very, very tough region. Um, uh, but Washington County has been, you know, the team to beat for the longest time, um, they're 7-1 right now. I saw them beat Redan 48-40 to open up the season. Um, their lone loss is a one-point loss in Northside Warner Robins, a, a solid team that uh, I believe is in 6A um, that is currently 7-2 in 6A. So that's, a, that's a, not a bad loss per se. Um, so this is a good team right here. And you're talking about Ashley Gray, who's going to Alabama State, if I'm not mistaken. She's averaging, you know, looking at what is it? 20 points per game, eight rebounds per game. So she's really having a breakout season. She used to be like 11 points and six rebounds, but with Miracle Parker now at Flagler, Ashley Gray is just showcasing her skills. Again, she's not doing anything crazy, but she's just always in the right place. She crashes the glass. She can score from the mid-range. She can handle the ball. She defends one through five. Um, She's having a great season. And then uh, McKaylee Parker, she's stepped up big time, averaging over 15 points per game. Um, so again, right there, there's 35 points between those two, and then a Swiss Army knife that can do a little big, 
of everything for Coach Suge Parker. That's Asia Canty. She's a wide body, strong body, about 5'7", 5'8", guard. Again, another player that can play essentially one through four for you. Averages eight points, six rebounds, um, two assists, close to five steals per game. She just uses her body exceptionally well. And it's just really a tough matchup just with her, you know, overall toughness. Um, so that is a, a, a big three nucleus right there for Washington County. So whoever comes out of, you know, this region, um, what is it, region three, whoever comes out of region three, they're, they're going to be battle tested. Now, the thing in the past is we have to see what has region three done in, you know, previous years. I think it's been a region that is, for the most part, um, has held their held their own uh, when talking about what they do in the state playoffs. Um, I think they've done a good job. You know, Washington County, they, they were right there. I think they had, what, an either an Elite Eight trip uh, or so. I'll pull it up right now as I try to get to it. You know, yeah, Washington County, they lost in the Final Four by four points to the eventual champions, Josie. So you saw Washington County, one region, three team, make it to the Final Four. Um, Northeast Macon was bumped in the first round. Um Dodge County lost in the first round, and then Lamar County lost in the first round when they were hooked up with that region too. So that right there shows me, you know, Washington County, they've been a battle-tested, proven team that can get the job done. But the rest of these teams, just telling you right there, they haven't really done it in the state playoffs. So that kind of, that's something I need I need to keep in the back of my mind. If they haven't really succeeded as well in the postseason, I think the tables would turn this year. I would be surprised if they don't, advance uh you know a good handful of their teams onto the next round uh that would be a little surprising this year but you know the proof is in the pudding they didn't really do all that well last year um but what they are up against this year they're up against region one in class 2a and that region that's with thomasville is a pretty solid team that spent time in the rankings and you know that's pretty much it Early County is way down, worth not much going on. Fitzgerald isn't what they used to be. Um, I would not be surprised if Region 3 uh, sweeps Region 1 in the first round of the state playoffs this year. Um, but that's that's a ways away. Um, and speaking of, you know, a region that just beat that Region 3 last year, Region 2, that's the home of Swainsboro. That's a, one of the last teams I want to talk about is the South Georgia sweep, sleeper team, Swainsboro. Number 10 in the state, they already have some big wins. They beat Woodville Tompkins 73-51 to at Woodville Tompkins, a team that opened up in the top 10. Um, they beat Tattnall County 48-44, a team that used to be in the top 10 in 3A. Uh, they beat Bullock Academy, a really good, I think they're Jesus school, 37-29. And then they hammered Dublin, who's ranked in the top 10 in A public, 50-28. to So Swainsboro, that is a team to be weary of, uh, again, if you're taking into account what that region did compared to Region 3 last year, um, that's that's a tough, pretty tough draw. And uh, Swainsboro, they did upset Lamar County last year in the first round, 51-48, before falling to Early County by 20 in the second round. So Swainsboro is another team to keep an eye on. And then just lastly, I just want to put it on record, my one sleeper team in Class 2A is Callaway. All five starters back from last year's team. It was a team that I had ranked in the top 10. Uh, and I kind of mentioned they didn't really have a lot of great wins last year until they kind of had a, an easy route, you know, beat Chattooga. Uh, had a fairly, you know, comfortable route to get to 
where they got to last year in the state playoffs, which was a, an elite eight berth, where they got blasted by Washington County 71 to 46 with Callaway. All five starters back. They're seven and two right now. Um, they had a win 62 39 over Harris County, one of their better wins of the season. Also beat Lithia Springs 73 46. Their only two losses coming to Northside Columbus, who we said is ranked in the top 10 in Class 5A. They lost by 11. And then they did lose 65-58 to Northeast Macon. Um, but this Callaway team is long, and they have a lot of upside. And Gabrielle Johnson, who has been their leading scorer the past few seasons, she's about 5'3", but she's a dynamic scorer. But Jasmine Thornton has really taken on a bigger role of the 6-foot sophomore wing. Tends to shoot a lot of threes from what I've seen, but she's long. She can make a lot of plays downhill uh, when she decides to. She's a really good defender that can guard, of course, multiple, multiple, multiple positions, can pretty much defend um, one through five. And then you have even more size. Lacey Thomas, she's about 6'2 inside. Another sophomore that's a double-double machine that can gobble up shots uh, inside and you know chew away on the glass, get putbacks. And then even Cameron Stargell, another six foot plus post presence, more of a bigger body inside a bruiser. So that big four right there, Cowlett, they have the size, they have enough quality guard play. I don't know what their depth necessarily is like, but Cowlett, they're going to cause a lot of teams issues with their length. And if that sophomore class continues to get better and better with Thomas inside and Thornton on the perimeter, watch out for the Cavaliers. And that's going to wrap up uh, today's podcast. I know, again, like I said, during the beginning of the season, it's very difficult for me to jump on here when I have so much work to try and put out on sandyspiel.com. But just a, a quick breakdown, you know, New Year's resolution for me is to try and get to the podcast spielin' and dealing more often, which hopefully I will be able to. But for now, subscribe to sandyspiel.com. Check out everything we have going on there. We have some events coming up. We will have a spring showcase event, it sounds like, an individual camp for boys and girls. More information on that will be coming in the following months. But for now, follow along, KyleSandy355 on Twitter. Check out Sandy Spiel. And also, we have a new Instagram page, at Sandy Spiel on Instagram. Check that out for highlights. Until next time, folks, be safe. Wear a mask when needed, but otherwise... Let the season roll on, tip it off, play ball. I will see you in the gym.